This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 18th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The super committee charged with making some small spending cuts appears unable to achieve even that tiny task. I spoke with Cato Institute Senior Fellow Alan Reynolds at the Cato Institute's 29th Annual Monetary Conference earlier this week. We're about a week out from uh, Congress's delegated committee, the so-called super committee, trying to come up with some sort of uh, budget deal, and uh, they're making quote-unquote cuts, um, but nothing seems to have emerged. It's really quite remarkable, uh, first of all, that Congress delegated that job, it's their job, <laughs> to, a, to a so-called super committee, um, and uh, that the super committee finds this a major challenge. I mean, the uh, government spending, federal spending, uh, increased by six percentage points from the average of the period, from the period from 1997 to 2007, uh, federal spending was a little over 19% of GDP. It jumps up to more than 25% of GDP uh, during the fiscal stimulus uh, fiasco of 2009. And again, and, and yet here we are in 2011, and it's still above 24. It's only dropped one point. So the temporary expenditures seem to be like entrenched and permanent. And, um, and the, uh, the, the, the problem is of an order of magnitude much larger than anything they're trying to do here. Um, we're talking about spending of $3.6 trillion. And they say, well, we're going to take out $1.2 trillion, but of course that means over 10 years. That's $120 billion a year out of a $3.6 trillion budget. I mean, this is really peanuts. And so when they, when they begin to approach this problem, the first uh, uh, rumor we heard out of the uh, out of the committee was that the Democrats were prepared to solve this so-called 1.2 trillion dollar problem, uh, but first of all, they'd like to raise taxes by 1.3 trillion dollars. Uh, well, excuse me, that, that seems like a non-starter uh, because they're not approaching spending at all. It's an entirely different thing to try to raise taxes, which turns out to be quite difficult to do. Um, uh, than it is to cut spending. Cutting spending frees up resources for the private sector. Uh, if you're cutting purchases, if you're cutting transfer payments, um, that actually incentivizes the economy. Transfer payments are a payment for not doing something, for not working, not, not planting crops, uh, uh, not saving for retirement. Uh, the, and so they're really kind of a negative. They're, they're, they're a necessary evil, perhaps. But uh, two years of unemployment benefits, for example, clearly raise the unemployment rate by a percentage point or more. Uh, so cutting these things by such a small magnitude just shouldn't be a problem. And the problem with starting with, with uh, uh, saying, well, let's do taxes first, is, number one, uh, that effort has almost always failed. It failed in 1990. Revenues went down, not up. Uh, spending went up, not down. And the economy uh, slipped immediately. This was the famous read-my-lips deal of, of uh, the elder President Bush. Um, uh, the economy, uh, uh, co coincidentally or not, slipped into recession as they were talking about this, not even when they enacted it. And it, didn't, and it grew at 2.5% rate for five years. Very poor. It had grown at four for the previous uh, eight or nine years. Uh, so it, it didn't improve growth. It didn't lower uh, uh, spending. And it didn't particularly non-defense spending. Defense was being scaled back fast. And, uh, uh, and it didn't raise revenue either. Uh, so that should be the lesson. Don't do that. 
We've really, we have a serious spending problem. And I'm not a budget hawk by, by most people's standards. But when you're talking about well over a trillion dollar deficits, for far as the eye can see, uh, excuse me, something's got to go. And the, something is spending because that's where the problem arises. Uh, yeah, there have been some frivolous tax cuts, too. Uh, the, uh, the president's uh, making work tax credit was pretty frivolous. Uh, the uh, temporary payroll tax cut, uh, sweet as that may be, uh, doesn't affect behavior because people know it's temporary. It just loses a lot of revenue. Uh, and, uh, and, and yet there's no, no effort to do anything of any substance or any duration. And on the spending side, the talk is about the usual frivolous, uh, nebulous, probably not true cuts, such as um, uh, cutting Medicare payments to providers, to doctors and hospitals. They always talk about that. It never happens. If it did happen, Medicare would shrink, even, it would collapse even faster than it's collapsing. The alternative to this group coming up with something is the so-called sequester, which will uh, impose certain levels of spending on programs that are lower than they otherwise would be. Yes, and of course, spending continues to grow. It's that old baseline story. My point is the baseline's very high after the growth of 2009, 10, and 11. So we take that as a baseline, and we assume that it grows at a certain rate, and all we're trying to do is slow the growth a little. Um, uh, now, the, what is the problem with the sequester? Primarily, uh, that it's so heavily on the defense side. Now, I think there's certainly savings can be made in military outlays. Stop having so many wars is one way. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, the defense is not 50% of the budget, so to impose 50% of the cuts there is a little seems a little heavy-handed and, and arbitrary. But if that's uh, the best they can do, I'd say go ahead and do it. And... Um, uh, we the only way people talk about a credible long-term budget plan nothing is credible if nothing is done it's it's you can't just put something out there on a piece of paper and say one of these days we're going to tackle this problem you can do that to some extent with entitlements you can say uh, we're going to change the indexing we're going to change the age you can do that to some extent with these future commitments but the problems we're dealing with aren't just future they're here and now we're here at a monetary conference and uh, Jerry O'Driscoll uh, makes the point, as we observe what's going on in uh, Eurozone countries, uh, his argument is essentially monetary reform first, and that there's a lot of enabling that uh, is impossible, uh, would be impossible with uh, sound money. Tom Sargent uh, got the Nobel Prize for economics. Always made that point. At a 1980 conference at the Atlanta Fed, uh, he followed me, and I had missed making a case for gold. And um, at a time it was particularly difficult, it's, I'm finding more and more people saying, that sounds like a good idea. Um, as I've often said, people never leave the gold standard. Only governments leave the gold standard. And uh, uh, it's a big vote of no confidence when the price of gold and silver do what they've done in the past couple of years in all of the central banks. Um, so, yeah, monetary, uh, uh, monetary system that, ha that doesn't allow the Fed, for example, to do what it did, which is to buy something like 38% of the added debt in the past couple of years. People think the Chinese are buying it. Hello, the Fed's buying a lot of it. And they're putting pressure on the commercial banks to lot, buy lots more because, the, after all, we all know sovereign risk, sovereign debt has no risk, right? Well, maybe not. But anyway, that, they're buying a lot too. Um, yeah, under a gold standard, you, you ultimately have to fork over the dough. You're, you're, uh, if you're printing money to cover the government's debts and uh, people uh, convert that 
money into currency and walk up and say, please give me whatever it is. Uh, when I graduated junior high school, somebody gave me a treasury silver certificate for $1, a very generous gift in the, the 50s. And uh, up until uh, 1968, I, I could have and probably should have converted it into a silver dollar. Uh, and uh, that was a kind of a constraint. It was one of the last remaining constraints, domestic constraints, other than Bretton Woods, um, on note issue. And with, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, if the currency is uh, defined and guaranteed in terms of something of generally accepted value, such as gold or silver, you notice I'm wearing gold and silver. I'm bimetallic ring today. Um, uh, the uh, there are definite constraints on what you can do with fiscal policy. If that's the only way we can control it, maybe that's uh, one of many good reasons why we ought to do it. Alan Reynolds is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.